and that's enough of that. Hope you're all feeling festive. This is a Christmassy English for Danes. Yo ho ho and all that. Daisies blooming Sundress swaying in the breeze I can't stop staring You've put a spell on me My first year in Denmark I went back to the UK for Christmas returning to Copenhagen for the spectacular firework lunacy of New Year I was in a shared house with many others We watched Queen Marg's speech had a few drinks, leapt from the sofa into the new year and went down onto the vestibule streets for the fireworks. Snow lay on the ground, it was freezing cold and the dark sky was exploding with colour. But not only the sky. Folks who were way beyond drunk were setting off fireworks horizontally down the street. It's a cliché, but it really did remind you of a war zone. I'd never seen anything like it and I loved it. But watching wasted Danes bending over boxes of fireworks with their cigarette lighters was somewhat unnerving. The second year I stayed for Christmas. I'd started dating Christine, who, after dumping me on a trip to Barcelona, saw the error of her ways and bravely invited me to spend Christmas with her family in Jutland. I hadn't met them before, so it was Christmas meet the family, a recipe for disaster. But it wasn't. Although the situation may resemble any number of Christmas films, I didn't set fire to the cat or accidentally climb to bed with my mother-in-law. I made mistakes, I thought, what the? A few times. But that happens when two cultures meet for something as set in stone as Christmas traditions. Last weekend, Christine was away and I watched three Netflix Christmas movies of the 230 with my daughter snuggled up under blankets. All very hooglet. They were rubbish, of course with stupendously crap dialogue and storylines written on the back of a matchbox, but that added to the hooger. Two of them had actors who had seen a camera before, so I recommend the third. Christmas made to order. You can almost picture the director saying, now move into that position and read your line as if you're a tree. It's great. Thoroughly recommend it. When it finished, Netflix recommended that we watch an hour of logs burning in a fireplace. That was good too. I plan to watch Love Actually for the tenth time before we head off to the UK. I do like a good romantic comedy. I also love the sound of music and historical epics. Cool, I am not. Love Actually, however quintessentially English it is, always reminds me of Denmark. Well, one specific bit. It's the scene where the naughty husband is buying a necklace for his young lover, while his wife is in the same shop, naturally. Rowan Atkinson is the shop assistant who takes forever to wrap the necklace as the husband panics. I'm not suggesting Danish husbands all have young lovers. It's the obsession with elaborate shop wrapping, especially in the run to Christmas, that screams Denmark. Is it a gift? asks the shop assistant. Please say no. Damn, that's another five minutes. A little sticker is placed over the price, as the gift will inevitably be returned. Then the paper comes out, is measured to fit, and folded at the side so there are no imperfect edges. The gift is wrapped in the paper, then the ribbon comes out. Yes, equal lengths. Then round the package it goes and tied into a bow. Then the scissors come out. The ribbon is scraped between the two blades of the scissors so it becomes all curly, 
I've never learned to do this, is then tucked into the uncurled ribbon, and, hey presto, the gift is all ready for placing under the tree. Payment done. Is it a gift? Oh, Christ. I've never been a fan of Christmas shopping, but I can't bear it in Denmark. I remember being in a shop in Aarhus. For some reason I needed the cheapest little notepad they had. I stood in the queue for three days, and eventually I reached the counter. The notepad was clearly not a gift, but I said, Can I have it wrapped, please? As the shop assistant reached for the paper, I smiled and said, Only joking. Oh, how we laughed. Or at least I did, inside. The shop assistant just looked at me, as if he'd just been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, well, simple pleasures. Maybe this wrapping obsession is a result of all the homemade Christmas decorations Danes do. All those paper hearts you make. The annual get-together at Bernhau and school to cut up paper with the other parents. Clipper day? It's all very hooglet, in theory. It's just one of the multitude of pre-Christmas activities that are essentially for kids, but require full commitment from parents. Things get a little easier when your kids become teenagers, ironically, but we still have the Nisaven dilemma. Nisa are Santa's elves, I think, and they play a big part in Danish Christmas. At the start of December, each child randomly picks the name of someone else in the class, who becomes their Nisaven, their Nisa friend. Then you spoil your Nisaven with little secret gifts, sweets typically. But while some Nisa friends are rubbish and your child gets nothing, others are very generous. So how much should you spend? How often should you give them something? It's a minefield. On top of that, each day of Christmas, one child from the class is picked to choose one of the wrapped gifts donated by parents. More envy. I believe your Nisaven used to also prank you, and I feel very hip for using that word, but it seems those pranks weren't always received with festive understanding. When our kids were at Bernahau, we always looked forward to the days when the knitted Nissa doll came home. The Nissa, and it's a naughty Nissa, would get up to all sorts of mischief, which you, as parents, had to describe in the Nissa diary, so his adventures could be read out loud the next day. On visits to our house, the naughty Nissa was so naughty, he never left the school bag. But we still had to invent a series of adventures. Then there's the Christmas calendar. When I was young, each door would reveal a picture of a Christmas tree, or a bell, or a star, or a sheep, and we still look forward to it. On the 24th, the biggest door would reveal the nativity scene, all the usual characters surrounding Baby Jay in the stable. Things have moved on. The Christmas calendar in Denmark is two things. The first can be the same door-opening version, or the more elaborate packet calendars which involves a small gift each day. My son wasn't overly impressed the other day when he opened it to find a packet of tea. Christine goes all in on these and has made packet calendars for her parents and my mum and even a friend. It's fair to say that myself and Christine don't have the same level of engagement at Christmas. One Christmas we, Christine, decided to get Shane's Christmas calendar. Shane had a kid's TV programme where he made creative models of things, very quickly, from paper, cardboard or fabric. So this calendar involved making something, and not an easy something. Every morning, 
before Bernahale. A friend bought the same. She had twins, so she had to make two models every morning. Bless her. She was tearing her hair out before the first week of December was over. Never again. The other Christmas calendar doesn't demand parental energy or expense, but many parents invest time in it because they want to, because it's hooklit. And it's a great concept. The TV Eulacanda, a heartwarming Christmas story usually involving mystery, magic, good and evil, and at least one Nissa, spread over 24 episodes, climaxing on Eula Afton, the 24th. For 20-odd minutes every evening, families hooker around the TV. Teenagers are the main actors, and can typically act, and the theme music is usually quality. Old series are often shown again, alongside the new, and everyone has their favourites. They've also made Eulacanda for adults, and these typically involve people being drunk. One famous calendar involves Nisa speaking a mix of Danish and Danglish, and Danes find this hilarious. It's one of those awkward moments when someone is thrilled to share something with you, and you watch hoping it'll end soon. Sorry, Danes. There's one other TV tradition, a New Year treat, that I was introduced to in my first year here. It isn't universally admired, I hope, but I had a number of students recommending it to me. One student was so enthused by it that she lent me a video of it. Christ, video. It's called Dinner for One, but it's probably known better from its catchphrase. Same procedure as last year. It's a long black-and-white sketch, but thankfully not too long, about an old posh lady being served dinner by an increasingly drunk butler. It has English actors. It's slapstick comedy. Subtle, it is not. It's bloody awful. My beloved also thinks it's painfully bad, which is another reason I love her. I guess I've had it recommended to me because it's in English. But it's a German production. Surely that raises a red flag. Germans and humour. Kangaroos and icebergs. A few more things about the Danish Christmas run-up. Although Shop's Christmas countdown starts earlier every year, Christmas unofficially kicks off here on J-Day, the first Friday of November, when Tuborg launches its Christmas beer, its Eulebrew. The only time I've encountered this was my first year. Skimpily dressed girls in Nyssa outfits invaded the bar I was in and handed out free beers. Did they do that? Is that allowed? Hmm, everything about that evening is hazy. And on the subject of getting wasted, we have the infamous Danish Julefrokost, the Christmas work parties. At these, anything goes. Married? Whatever. Intern? Whatever. Fun and games. Until Me Too came along, and leaders started losing their jobs. But Eulafrokos is still a huge affair. On a slightly more innocent level, the Festival of St Lucia is held in schools and Bernahill on December 13th. Essentially, everyone wears a white dress, boys and girls alike, and parades around holding a candle, singing. Street decorations appear, stars and hearts hang across the streets, fairy lights decorate shop fronts, Christmas tree sellers camp out on squares, and Tivoli reopens so that folks can get all hoogly with their glug 
or freezing to the bone in a Nyssa wonderland. So is this Eulahuga and Christmas build-up so different from the UK? There's certainly more here, but there'll be a British version to a number of these. I would recommend the BBC adopt the TV Eula calendar, and in return the Danes can have our Christmas panto. For any Danes who haven't been treated to the delights of a pantomime, it's a comic take on a classic fairy tale, Snow White, Aladdin, etc., where typically men play the female roles in massive dresses and women play the men. It's very slapstick, to entertain the kids, and the script is full of sexual innuendo, to entertain the adults. It's very silly, but quite entertaining. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it involves audience participation. My sister is taking our kids on Friday. The only other time they've been to one, years ago, my son was so terrified we had to leave. Two things the UK makes more of over the festivities than the Danes. Christmas cards and crackers. Not so many send Christmas cards now as earlier, but the older generations still go all in. My mum died early December two years ago. Immediately after, I spent five days, during Covid, isolating at her home. Her Christmas card list sat on the table, surrounded by piles of cards. She'd already sent a good number, evident from the crossed-off names, but she still had loads to do. It usually took her weeks, as a quick Merry Christmas wouldn't do. It was catch-up time for her and her friends. During those five days, a steady stream of cards came through the postbox, and will continue to do so till January. In days gone by, our house would have maybe 200 cards hanging on strings, filling shelves, and being stuck to doors with blue tack, what you Danes know as elephant snot. I've seen a few crackers in Danish shops this year. They look small and naff. Christine has just informed me that Danes pull crackers at New Year, not Christmas though she had to Google this to check, so not a big thing. We pull our crackers at our Christmas lunch on the 25th. Inside there's a little toy or puzzle, a colourful paper hat, which you're obliged to wear, and a joke, a dad's joke. One that you read out loud, wait for suggested punchlines, then finish off to groans and the occasional, well that's not too bad, from the table. The main differences between our two cultures are the timing of the main event, and what we eat. Let's deal with the timing first. The 23rd of December is what we call the 23rd of December. For Danes, it's Little Eula Afton. Does anything actually happen on this day? The 24th, Christmas Eve, may be the biggie for Danes, but for us we do nothing apart from work till midday and then run around trying to get the last presents. I was so late with a shirt for my dad one year that when he inevitably wanted to change it, we found the receipt stated the 26th. They'd already reprogrammed the receipt-dispensing thing. At 11.30 at night, on Christmas Eve, we, and very few others, go to church to welcome Christmas Day. Then it's hide the Christmas stocking so the kids can wake up and have things to open. Our Christmas stockings always included a mandarin, a charity t-shirt, chocolate coins, and a notepad and pens. Presumably, so we could list what presents we got, so we could write thank you cards. The 25th is the day. Church again, then present opening before turkey lunch, then feel fat, watch a film and play games. The 26th, which we call Boxing Day, and Danes call Second Christmas Day, 
is when the extended family descend, at our place anyway, for more present opening, more turkey lunch, an afternoon walk, games and football watching. Boxing Day is, or at least it was before TV spread the games out, one of the biggest football occasions of the season. Our family is a passionate mix of Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, Wolves and Man U. But this isn't why it's called Boxing Day. Nothing to do with fighting. Think Downton Abbey. All the servants spent their Christmas Day making sure the rich had a splendid time. The next day, they would get to open their boxes. Food-wise, pretty much everyone in the UK has turkey followed by Christmas pudding, which we cover in brandy and set fire to. My sister wrote yesterday and asked if we could make them the Danish Christmas meal on the 23rd. We will, or at least a version of it. I wrote back to say that we never have the traditional Danish Christmas meat, duck with prunes, to which she replied, thank goodness for that. So we'll see how she gets on with caramelised potatoes, which I like, and rulkul. Rulkul, Christ. Stewed red cabbage, which is the devil's contribution to Christmas, and impossible to say clearly. We'll also make Ries for non-Danes, Ries is basically chopped up almonds in a creamy cold rice pudding, topped with cherry and strawberry sauce. And there's a game involved. This game involves adding one whole almond to the pot. The lucky soul who finds it, through eating rather than piling through with fingers, keeps the almond in the side of their mouth so that the mystery continues till everyone's finished their bowl. And then they get a prize, the almond gift. I was introduced to this at Christmas Meet the Family. My mother-in-law, bless her socks, made sure I won. Other Christmas Meet the Family firsts. 1. Christmas trees decorated with paper hearts, other handmade stuff, and real candles. Real candles. On a tree. A dry tree. Inside. 2. How to skull properly and how to eat the Danish way. I believe I already knew that Denmark toasts required you to look into the eyes of those clinking your glass, and my mother-in-law certainly gave me the eyes, burying deep into my soul. Danes skull a lot during a meal, so numerous intense stares. I then made the error of filling my plate the English way. Just pile it up, a bit of everything. Christine inspired by the horrified look of her dad, gave me a few pointers. Apparently there's an order to things. But it was good food, and the parents-in-law seemed to appreciate me continuing to pile through long after everyone else had finished. They still do. Christine's dad often finishes before we've even sat down, so this isn't so difficult. I also learned that saying, tastes lovely, smear got, must be said at least five times. Danes put a lot into their dinners, and appreciation is expected. 3. When Christine says, You don't need to get me a Christmas present, get one. 4. Danish Christmas present opening. Maybe Christine's family way isn't the way all Danes do it, just as the way my family do it may not be the typical British way. Christine's sister already had three kids. The presents were all handed out. Masses for the kids, a few for the adults. One fewer for Christine. 
Then we took it in turns to open a present with everyone watching. Oh, that's good. Everyone compliments the choice and has a closer look. Brother-in-law reads the manual. Everyone makes sure it can be returned or exchanged. Then the next person opens one. This first present opening session in Denmark lasted over three hours and ended after midnight. At our UK Christmas, present opening time is chaos, or at least it was when the kids were younger, especially on extended family boxing day. One or two of the kids handed out the presents, then we're off. A loud frenzy of flying paper and shouting thank you across the room. Christine's first experience of the mayhem on Boxing Day left her a little shocked. 5. The Pleasure and Pain of Pakalai This one I really should introduce to the UK gang. In short, preparation involves everyone wrapping about five gifts. Some of these are nice enough, but some are supposed to be a bit crap. One year I got a pair of my brother-in-law's old oil-covered jeans. Everyone sits around the table... A time limit is set, then every time you throw a six on the die, you get to take a present from the middle. And when those are all gone, you steal the presents other people have got. It's fun, but kids don't often see the funny side of you stealing their presents. But I have the excuse of being a foreigner who apparently doesn't understand the required etiquette, and that horrified expression is always worth it. And number six. Walking round the Christmas tree singing. We're going to do what? A wooden box came out that contained song books. Oh no. We stood, holding hands, well one hand, round the tree and sang the favourites. But off to see the nissimer, his eula gross, and eula gross, skillimadinkadinkadoo, I tried. Then a real favourite. No song book needed for this. Off we went, skipping round the whole house, in and out of each room, holding hands in a chain. New the Uligan, the new the Uligan, and Christine's sister has a big house. New the Uligan, the new the Uligan, and it was weird, it was fun, it was different. Merry Christmas. <laughs>